probably the purest worship when you think on Him and you get lost in Him. You just you think and think and then all of a sudden your mind just and all that's the purest worship I think a person ever does. Ever does. I appreciate Houston so very much. He's got his hands full. You know, he takes care of the camera back there and leads the singing now. And then on top of that, he works hard. Sure, give thanks for him. All right, I'm going to start reading here in verse 13, read down to the end of the chapter, and hopefully say some things about this. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. And I looked, and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one set, like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even under the horses under the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. We'll talk about the harvest this evening. Last week it was about the three angels and their warnings. Three angels came, and every one of them had a warning. They had a message from God, the everlasting gospel. Babylon is fallen. And then you know that uh, angel warned about the judgment to come. And the end time has come now. The time of the end has come. And like I told you, you start out with Christ. He comes. Judgment then we start all over again. And here we are, we're in glory, we're in heaven. God brought us up. He said, come up hither, come up hither. And the time of the end has come. And then the scriptures, they're often called the harvest. You know, our Lord spoke about harvesting. You know, one man came to him and said, you know, didn't you plant wheat in this field? He said, I did. He said, but while you slept, Somebody come in here and sowed a bunch of tares among it. Sowed a bunch of things that look like wheat. It looks like wheat. But it's not wheat. He says it's a bunch of tares. He said, what are we going to do? We want to go out and pluck them up? 
He said, no, no. Just leave them alone. He said, I'll separate them in the harvest. I'll separate them in the harvest. And our Lord said, look on the earth. It's white, ready to harvest. And what it's often called is a harvest, a separating the wheat from the chaff. In other places it's called separating the sheep from the goats. But there is coming a great separation. And there is coming a time when this earth will come to, a t- to an end. And then first, you know, there's a harvest. There's got to be a harvest. You know, we were the first fruits. Remember that back over here in verse 4? It says down the last part of the verse, These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. You know, in this harvest, there's always a first fruits. The first fruits. And that's what we were. We were the first fruits. And then John says, I heard a voice. I heard a voice there in verse 13 from heaven. Didn't hear nothing on the earth. He heard from heaven. And we hope that we hear from heaven. Every time we come here, we hope and pray, God let us hear from heaven. Don't let us just hear a preacher. Let us hear you. Let us hear you. Let's hear what you got to say from heaven. And I heard this voice from heaven saying unto me, Look, what do you say? Write. I want you to write this down. Everything else, it's very rare for him to say write something down. But he said, I want this written down. I want everybody to have this in their mind. I want it wrote down so that nobody can miss it. Right. Oh my. How many times have I preached from this? <laughs> blessed or blessed are the dead. <laughs> he said that don't make sense. It does if you keep reading. Right. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. That's the key right there. Not just those who die. Those who die in the Lord. Those who die in Christ. Paul says, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far, far better. And then it says, right, blessed, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Every blessed are they that's already dead. Blessed are they that are going to die. That's what he's saying right here. Those that will die in the Lord from now on. And I'm telling you, there's been multitudes and multitudes and multitudes that no man can count that's already died in the Lord. And I tell you, I hope one of these days that I'll do that, that I'll go home. And when he's talking about dying in the Lord, he's talking about you can't die in the Lord unless you have a vital union with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to be joined to him. And he's got to be joined to you. He's got to give you a new heart, a new mind, a new will, a new understanding. And I tell you what, no, ever, I've never yet been anywhere in any funeral where some way, somehow, they got somebody into heaven. They pointed to something about them that was good. Something about them that was right. But I tell you here, the only people worth dying 
that's blessed of God is those that die in the Lord. Huh? Oh, dying in vital union with Christ in the cause of Christ. What a blessing it is indeed. I've heard of, I was, out, well, I was in a meeting one time out in South Carolina. Somebody called me and talked about someone who just died. And I, you know what I said? I said, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. <laughs> That's what I said. Oh, that's the most wonderful news I'd heard. Oh, no more. Oh, listen, that's the blessed news. Now, I want you to stay here as long as you can, and I want to stay here as long as I can. I was, I was with the fellow the other day, and he said, ask him how he's doing. I talked to him before, and he said, well, ain't a much to look forward to when you're 71 years old. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, I said, that's how old I am. And I got lots of things to look forward to. You know, I've got, I got lots. Oh, listen, I really got something to look forward to. You know, coming here is something to look forward to. Getting up of the day and knowing that my life is in the hands of an infinite and eternal God. That is something I have to look forward to. Being able to have a good night's rest is something I look forward to. Oh, we got lots to look forward to. And I tell you what, but we got we got the most blessed thing to look forward to. Blessed are they that die in the Lord from henceforth. Oh my. When I hear you're gone, you know what I'm gonna say? Thank God, thank God. Thank the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. You know what else is blessed? The scripture says, Blessed in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Well, if God says it's blessed, and Christ says it's here blessed, what in the world are we afraid of? <laughs> it's blessed. It's blessed. Oh, my. When you live with Christ, live for the cause of Christ, join to Christ, I tell you what, it's a, if you're talking about blessed, you're blessed indeed. And then look what the Spirit says. Oh, that the, yea, the Spirit saith, and I love this here, the Spirit says they're blessed, and the Spirit says that they may rest from their labors. Oh, my. My labors will all be ended when I dwell on Zion's hill. Huh? And that's what he said, rest from their labors. All of us have labored in our lifetimes. But the labor he's talking about here is the labor that we have as believers. This is one of the most mysterious things, and this seems like a contradiction, but every one of you all understand this. That we rest in Christ right now, but yet at the same time we're laboring to rest in Christ. What makes that? Because we got this to deal with. Uh, we got this old carnal mind yet to deal with. This old flesh to deal with. And that's why we come to hear the gospel. And we come here and we hear about the rest we have in Christ. But when we get there, we're going to rest. We'll never have another labor. Never have another labor. Never ever lift up a hand to do anything ever again but to worship God. Oh, there, blessed are they, they'll rest from the rest from their sin. 
It'll never molest them. Since and sin will molest no more. Huh? We'll rest from our temptations. We'll rest from our disappointments. We'll rest from our distresses. We'll rest from our flesh. And we'll rest forevermore. Uh-huh. Oh my, blessed are they that are chosen. Blessed are they that are redeemed. Blessed are they that are regenerated, have the new birth. Blessed are they that are loved eternally by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the proof is, the lamb that was slain, that's why we're going to be able to rest from our labors. Huh? The lamb that was slain. That's what we're going to see. Oh my. Going to rest. You know, people say they entered into the rest. Well, I mean, we really do. We really do. That's not just a religious cliche. It's a reality to us. Oh, such a reality. But oh, look what else it says here now. Yeah, they may rest from their labors. Oh, it's a labor to deal with this world. It's a labor to deal with ourselves. It's a labor in the gospel. It's a labor to deal with one another sometimes. It's a labor. Labor to have to deal with business. Getting things done in this world. It's a labor. But we're going to rest from them one of these days. Uh-huh. And listen to this. And their works follow them. What is he talking about here? You know why they said their works follow them? Because religion says their works is what gets them there. God wants to make you understand that your works, they don't go before you. Most people think they go before them. So when they get there, they'll get in. God will look at all their works and say, well, they've done a good job. It's good. They, they, done, they work good. They labored good. I mean, there was, was really something down there. So I, I, I'm going to let them in. Uh, oh, listen, they, 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 people say, well, I'm laying up bricks one at a time. No, oh, Christ has already prepared the house. <laughs> It'd be a pitiful building if we built it, wouldn't it? It'd be a pitiful building if we built a spiritual building. It'd be a pitiful thing. It'd be like building on the sand. Our Lord said, oh, he's a wise man that bigs, builds on the rock. And I'll tell you what, the works follow them. They come after them. They come after them. That's like Simeon. You know, that's the thing. And, and let me ask you this, and I've asked you this before. Would anybody here, at any time in your spiritual life, stand up and say, boy, I've done such wonderful works for the Lord. The only people who admit that they haven't done anything, anything, is the Lord's people. But then there's, you know, the other bunch say this. We did this, we did that, we cast out devils, we done these works, and we labored here, and we preached there, and we done all these wonderful things, and all these souls that I've won. The Lord says, depart from me, I don't know you. 
But I tell you what, I'm, we have to weep over our tears. We have to weep over our repentance. We have to weep over the things that we even think that we've ever done. <laughs> oh my. And it's like Simeon. Scripture says, you know, he went in there and God had done promised him when he saw the Savior, saw salvation, when he saw God's salvation, that the Lord would let him come home. He's an old man. He picked up that infant, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he looked at it. And he didn't say, now Lord, I've done everything you've told me to do, and this is the last thing I'll ever get to do. So now let me depart in peace. No, you know what he said? He said, Lord, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now, let me go. <laughs> Once you see his salvation, you see him, you're ready to go. I mean, you know, you know, you know it's... <laughs> well, I won't say that. I'll have to go say something, but I won't. But then I tell you, that's what we day, you know... One of these days we've seen the Lord's salvation. Until you see that, you're not ready to go. You really aren't. And oh my, you know those who die in the Lord, every single time they see Christ face to face. Paul said to depart and be with Christ is far better. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And I tell you what, you think, about those who die in the Lord, when the minute they get there, we sing that song face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face with Christ my Lord. That's how we will actually see Him face to face. Huh? And I'll tell you what, we'll see that one and we'll see Him as the Lamb that was slain. And we'll see those marks in His hands and we'll see Him who interceded for us every day of our lives. And we'll see him as he had been slain and we'll look at him and all we'll do is stand there in wonder and adoration and thanksgiving. We are so thankful here. But imagine what thankful we'll be when we get there. We can't, our minds can't get it. But I sure enjoy thinking about it and talking about it. I certainly do. Oh my, they shall see him there in his glory. Oh, the four and twenty beasts fall down before him. The twelve elders fall down before him. And we'll take every crime, crown of life, crown of righteousness, and we'll throw them at his feet and say, Blessed is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, we'll praise him and thank him and bless him forever. And we'll see him there as a man. We'll see him in his human nature. We set in majesty beside the right hand of God. And that's what it says about him. God set him at his own right hand of majesty. Power and glory. Oh my. Then we'll all see him. Those who go to see him, they see him as the one who conquered sin. And they'll never remember it ever again. You know that's one of the most glorious things for my mind to think about is that when we get there, sin will never be in our mind ever again. We'll never know we ever did it. No. 
That's hard for us to get our bride, you know. We get there and we'll never know. Only we'll be there to praise Him. Oh, we'll see Him who conquered sin, who wants satisfaction, who put away death and put Satan under His feet. No wonder it says rest. Oh, what a rest it'll be. And I'll say this here, if you don't rest in Him here right now, you won't rest in Him up there either. Ain't that right? If we rest in Him here, if you rest in Him here, and you know Him here, you'll rest in Him there, and you'll know Him there. But oh my, we'll know Him perfectly. I heard a whole stupid song the other day, and I mentioned it to my wife Shirley. I said, there's an old song, you know, that the Lord took my took my girlfriend away from me, you know, took her accident, car wreck and all that stuff, and he said, So now I got to be good so I can see my baby when I leave this world. Got to be good. And that's all religion knows. They can't say anything else. But that's the first thing I you know what? I sang this song, but it just dawned on me. He said, I gotta be good. Got to be good. But beloved, there's not a thing good about us except Christ. If we have any gifts, He gave it to us. If we know anything, He taught us. Huh? Oh my. No wonder we'll rest there. And I tell you, we cease from our labors. God entered into His rest when He ceased from His labors. And when we cease from our works, we enter into His rest. Don't we? Uh, and then let me give you the final judgment. Here's the final judgment. Look what it says here now in verse 14. Now he's done wrote this down for us. And he looked. Now he's seeing something. And behold a white cloud. And upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man having on his head a golden crown. And in his hand a sharp sickle. Oh my. There's a twofold harvest here described. First of all, our Lord Jesus sitting on this white cloud. White symbolizes holiness. The cloud symbolizes judgment. You know, the scriptures tells us, you know, our Lord told him, he says, the next time you see me, I'll be coming in a cloud and in glory. And he told them that two or three times in Mark, Matthew, all of them. And when our Lord Jesus Christ, He said, Christ in Revelations 1 7 said, He shall come in His glory and His own cloud, and every eye shall see Him, every eye shall behold Him. And here He is, beloved. He's sitting on this cloud. He's going to come in a cloud of glory. And there sent one like the Son of Man. And when He talks about the Son of Man, that means He's identifying with us. The Son of Man, He's identifying with us right now. He's the Son of Man. He's a man. And He's telling us He's a man. And listen to this. Having on His head a golden crown. <laughs> you know who wears crowns? Kings. You know who wears crowns? People that's worthy of them. And it wasn't a crown, it was a crown of thorns when He was on that cross. Now he's got a crown of gold on his head. In fact, in one place it says he has many crowns. 
This is the crown of victory. The crown of the victor. The crown of a conqueror. The crown of a glorious and great king. And then look what it says. On his head is a golden crown. In his hand, a sharp, sharp sickle. Everybody here knows what a sickle is. And I tell you what, he's prepared for the harvest. He's got the sickle in his hand, sitting on that cloud. And I, you know, I wonder how big this sickle is. And I think this is just really, truly symbolic, because he don't come and cut things down. He just does what he does. But he uses this to show us that when he's got this sharp sickle, when he's getting ready to harvest. People fixing to be really, really face the judgment. And oh my. Then look what he says in verse 15. Another angel comes. And he came out of the temple. He came out from the very presence of God. He comes out from the temple. And I tell you, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on that cloud. He's talking to Christ. He's talking to our mediator. He's talking to the Son of Man sitting there. One like unto the Son of Man. And he cried with a loud voice and he said, Thrust in thy sickle and reap. It's time to reap. It's time to get the harvest. The harvest is ripe. That's what he said. He said, The harvest of the earth is ripe. Ripe. And I'll tell you something, beloved. Our Lord says, Lift up your eyes and look. The harvest. Look. Great harvest. And I tell you, our Lord Jesus Christ, and look what it says in verse 16, the earth is ripe. You know, you don't go out harvesting things until it's ripe. If something gets too ripe, you don't even want to harvest it. Well, he's saying the earth is just exactly right. It's exactly right. Ripe. And what he purposes, he has accomplished. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in the sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. <laughs> Remember our Lord Jesus said, Gather the wheat into the barn, throw the chaff away and burn it. Oh my. Christ comes and he harvests his people. He harvests his saints, his elect. But then look what happens to the wicked. You know, he comes, our Lord, he's coming out of the temple. Christ is coming for us. He lays in that sickle and he harvests the he harvests his people. He calls us the harvest. Calls us the first fruits. He sharp puts that sickle in, and beloved, we all go to be with him. And then look at the harvest of the wicked. There's going to be another one. And Bruce Crabtree told me the other day, and Steve listened to it last week. He preached on. God is angry with the wicked every day. I hateth the workers of iniquity. That's what it is. Hates the worker of iniquity. Had to be some subject for a preacher to get up and preach on, wouldn't it? Look at a big congregation and look at a congregation and say, God hates the workers of iniquity. People say, God loves the sinner and hates the sin. Where would you find that at? Huh? That's not what it says. And here the wicked, they're going to be harvested too. And there's two angels now that cry. Another angel came out of the temple. One came out of the temple, 
spoke to the Son of Man like unto the Son of Man, said, Reap, the harvest is ripe. The earth is ripe. It's ready to be harvested. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, still from the very presence of God. The temple which is in heaven, which he also, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar. This one come from the altar now. Why did he come from the altar? Why did he come from the altar? He come from One comes from the temple, the sanctuary. He has a sharp sickle, comes from the presence of the Lord. He comes out there with orders. The next one comes from the altar. And he had, look what he says here, he had power over fire. Why did he say from the altar? Look back over in Revelation 6 and I'll show you. I'll show you why he said the altar. Come from the altar. You know, one comes from off the altar. He had power over fire. Look what he said here now in verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on the earth and on them that dwell on the earth? And that's why this one come from the altar. It's time to avenge the blood of those saints, those who died, those who were martyred for the Christ and for his glorious testimony that they had of him. Look in chapter 8. In verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire off the altar, and cast it into the earth. And oh my, the thunders and lightnings and earthquakes, that shows us the judgment of God. And that's what's happening now. So this angel come from the temple, from the presence of God. He's got that sharp sickle. And another angel comes off the altar, and he's got that power of fire. Fire represents judgment, of course. And he told that him that had the sharp sickle, cried with a loud cry, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Oh, the judgment of the wicked is final answer to the prayers of the saints that's under the altar. How long, Lord, before you avenge our blood? How long? Well, this is being avenged right here. Now there the prayers from the people off the under that altar and those of the altar of incense. Send forth thy sickle, thy sharp sickle. And he says, gather the clusters of the vine. He said, the grapes are fully ripe. What is the vine? What is these grapes that he's talking about? It's a multitude of the entire evil men that's on the earth. Grapes are individual believers. And he said, thrust it in. It's ready. It's ready. And then look what happens. In verse 19. 
And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth, gathered the whole thing, one vine, and all the grapes on that vine, and gathered the clusters off that vine. Her grapes are fully ripe. Well, he gathered that vine and Listen to this. And cast it into the great rind press of the wrath of God. Oh my. Oh my. Cast it into the great rind press of the wrath of God. Can you imagine what that's like? Huh? A wine press. You see these people stomping on grapes and all that. That's just people having fun. When they really, really press grapes, they got these big things that just come down. Crush them and 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 crush them. A big press that comes down. Can you imagine the power and might and anger of God Almighty when He comes down and He puts that wine press? It's the wine press of the wrath of God. And he starts pressing down. Starts pressing down. And starts pressing down. And nobody, you know, not one person says, Lord, have mercy on me. Not one person says, Lord, I'm sorry. Not one person says, oh, please forgive me. No, no. No, no. You look over there. I think it's in Revelation 4 or 5 where it says, you know, they repented not of their murders. Uh-huh. And this is the rind pressed. The rind grapes are trodden, pressed, crushed. And the wicked are going to be destroyed. Going to be destroyed. I want you to look with me in Isaiah 63. Talk, talking about this wine press. Look what our Lord Jesus did here. Isaiah 63. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. Oh, he's got the power, the ability, the power. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Well, why then are you red in your apparel? Why are your garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? That's the wine press. Listen to what our Lord said here. I have tread, trodden the winepress alone and of the people there was none with me. I'll tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain with all my raiment. The day of vengeance is in my heart. Now, back over here in Revelation. So Christ is the one bringing this judgment here. And oh, they cast him into the great wine press of the wrath of God. Now look in verse 20. And the wine press was trodden. They took it out, out of the city now. They took it outside the city. Oh, we can't let this, you know, they took it outside the city. The judgment's going to be out. Christ was taken without the city. Trodden, and the wine press was trodden without the city. And listen to this now. And blood came out of the wine press. Not grapes, blood. Blood. Blood of who? The blood of the wicked. He said, How long will it be before you avenge my our blood? 
Well, their blood's being avenged. And the blood starts pouring out of that wine press. I mean blood. Dark, red blood. And blood came out of the wine press. Now listen to this. Even under the horse bridles. It got so deep that it was up to the horse's bridles. And how big was this space? A thousand six hundred furlongs. And that's what this blood of all of God's avenging the blood of his people that's ever been on this earth. And this lake of blood was so deep that horses had to swim in it. Horses had to swim in it. And they, I, I, I got this. I don't remember where I got it at. But I got this. That this, this space here, this area, is about 200 square miles. So God's got them in one place. Punish them in one place. And he said, you shed my people's blood. You, and I'm going to shed your blood. I'm going to let your blood run. I'm going to let it run and run and run and run and run till the horses have to swim in your blood. Showing us how awful the judgment of God is. That's going to be awful, ain't it? And ain't you thankful that it started out, blessed are the dead. <laughs> it started out like that. So we're not going to be in verse 20. We're not going to be in verse 19. We're not going to be in verse 18. We're in verse 13. <laughs> blessed are they that die in the Lord and die from henceforth forever. And they'll rest from their labors. Rest from their labors. So that's where we're at. And we're just standing there. And and it'll say, we'll find this out here real soon. When this is happening, when God is judging men, we'll all be standing around saying, Hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. When judgment comes on the earth, and we'll say salvation belongs unto God. And while he's punishing them, we're praising him. We're praising Him. I look forward. I wish the Lord come get us all at one time. Wouldn't you? That'd be the most wonderful thing in the world. That'd be the most wonderful things in the world, wouldn't it? For Christ come get us all. Oh my! He He has come and got so many, so many we've known, so many we loved. And you know, old wonder John said, the last thing in the Revelation is this. The Lord said, Behold, I come quickly. John said, Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Our Father, thank you for allowing us to have another service, another time of worship, another time of looking into your word. I thank you for the day. I thank you for the prayers that's been prayed, the scriptures that's been read the saints of God that came out. Lord, I thank you for your people. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for your blood, for your death. And oh Lord, I'm thankful that judgment's in your hands. It's not in ours. It's not up to us to pass judgment and bring judgment upon people. Lord, the judgment of the wicked, the judgment of this world is in your hands. And one thing we know, 
Men will get just exactly what's coming to them. You're the judge of all the earth and you must do right. And we'll stand and say amen. And we say that even now. Amen. You'll always, you're the judge of all the earth and you must do right. Bring glory to yourself through us. Increase our love for one another. Increase our love for you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Turn to 497 in the hymn book. We'll sing this and then we'll go home. We'll stand together. 
Oh, 